Welcome to the Leadership Window podcast with Dr. Patrick Jinks. Each week through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and a professional speaker. And now, here's Dr. Patrick Jinks. Hello, leaders. Welcome to episode 68 of the Leadership Window. I know that I actually said that on the last episode. That was a mistake. Last episode was episode 67 with Tom Keith. We are back after a bit of an absence, and I got to tell you, it's due to a number of things, not the least of which is about a two-week sickness. And if my voice sounds a little bit different and not quite on, it's because I'm, I'm over the hump now and mostly fully recovered, but with a lingering cough and uh, sore throat. A week ago, I could not have recorded a podcast episode because I had no voice. So now you're stuck with me. In any case, this is going to be somewhat of an abbreviated episode. I, um, well, I've got several amazing guests coming up, and I'll, I'll tease that and let you know what's coming on toward the end of this show. But um, I wanted to just take a moment every once in a while. I like to kind of take a solo episode and just share some things that have been relevant and happening in my coaching world and around the clients that I'm serving. Most of most all of the clients that I serve are in the nonprofit space. And while leadership is leadership, there are some unique challenges to leading in the social sector, whether it's board engagement or trying to lead social change or leading a staff of underpaid professionals, whatever those cases are, it's a little bit different. Uh, I'm a big believer that for the most part, nonprofits are businesses. They are uh, functioning in pretty much all the ways that businesses function, but there are unique challenges to leading in the nonprofit space. So when I come across unique challenges with the individual clients that I coach, I like to share some of those with you because many of you will be able to relate and maybe uh, gain some value from the experience that others are having. So of course we keep these things anonymous and don't share any private information, but there are some issues that just keep arising because they're common They're They exist among so many of the leaders that we coach. And so I want to share um, two or three of those, a couple of reminders that I have been challenged with lately that I just want to sort of speak out loud and share in the assumption, I guess that some of you will, it will resonate with. And then again, we'll talk about some of the upcoming shows that we've got coming up so that you know to stay tuned in. Um, let me first say a quick word of thanks to Leadership Systems Incorporated. You've heard me talk about this organization many times on this show. They support this program. Leadership Systems is where I got my coaching certification with Dr. Jim Smith and his team uh, Dr. Smith has a global team of adjunct coaches at Leadership Systems. Uh, Jim himself is a <clears throat> three-decade coach and trainer for the Center for Creative Leadership and other amazing organizations, coach to Fortune 500 companies, CEOs and leaders around the world, and they're just huge supporters of this program. They provide uh, significant discounts, for example, to some of their coaching training for listeners of this program. So if you want uh, if you're interested in getting trained 
on how to be a coach, a better coach, not just a professional coach like I am, but even a better coach as a manager within your organization. Reach out to me and let me know. We'll make sure that we get you hooked up. So I just want to say that. Um, I want to start with a topic that several of my colleagues have actually called out fairly recently as well. And it's this topic of weariness. And I would even combine it with stress. One of the things that we in the coaching space are hearing a lot is just, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, um, you know, I'm spent. Any number of synonyms for, for some of the same stuff. And uh, we did a YouTube episode, uh, I don't know, two or three years ago now, uh, that was very brief. And it came out of one of my coaching engagements with a senior leader at a for-profit corporation here in South Carolina in my home state. And uh, some of the, some of our best content at the Jinx perspective is actually co-created with the people that we coach, because when we're coaching, we're drawing out and elevating the best thinking of the coachee. We're not just teaching and lecturing and giving advice. We're actually drawing out some of the best thinking of some of the best leaders in this sector. And sometimes, boy, we, I get taught, you know, I get taught wonderful models or we'll get into a conversation where we'll just kind of co-create something. And we've shared some of that on this show. I want to share an acronym that I've actually added one letter to since I first introduced it on our YouTube channel a couple of years ago. And this is, again, this is one that was co-created in a coaching session. This isn't, there's not a book about this or it's not a Harvard article or anything like that. It's just, we kind of came up with this. It's nothing earth shattering, just pretty simple, a simple way to, um, you know, it's a memory mechanism to just remember a few key principles when there is a high degree of stress or a high degree of exhaustion. And so let me share it with you and you can take it for what it's worth, utilize it, put it in practice wherever you might be able to. But the original acronym was CARE, C-A-R-E. And I've added a V to it and, and I call it CARVE now, which isn't as, uh, you know, the language doesn't fit quite exactly. You know, CARE is just so much better, right? You know, here, here's a, an acronym for leaders to lead in times of stress and weariness. Let's use CARE. Carve, though, puts in a very critical piece of the puzzle that I just think um, is the, the rest of the model is a little bit empty without it. So let me real quickly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but let me start with the acronym uh, with the letter C. The C stands for remain calm. And, y- you know, if you're thinking, well, when I'm tired, I'm calm, but not necessarily. Uh, weariness and stress often go hand in hand. And when you're tired, your mind is not always calm. Your body might be slow. Your actions and behavior might be delayed or, or whatever sort of uh, emotion that, that your vision conjures up when we talk about exhaustion or stress, but leaders need to remain calm. Calm doesn't necessarily mean silent. It doesn't mean still necessarily. It just means calm. I'm collected. I'm present. I'm centered. I'm not constantly talking about how exhausted and stressed I am. I'm not showing it with exasperation and eye rolls and not being present for my team. I'm just remaining calm. Now, the second letter, the A, goes along with this. And the A is acknowledge. 
it's okay to acknowledge the fact that we're tired, we're exhausted, we're stressed, we're under pressure, we're spent, we're worn out, we're frustrated, we're exasperated, whatever you want to say, acknowledge it, recognize it for yourself and for your team. It's okay to acknowledge for your team, look, I'm, I'm a little exhausted, a little spent, I'm calm, <laughs> you're demonstrating that calmness, but I'm also acknowledging this is real, I feel it too, and I know you feel it, and it's legitimate, and it's real, and it's okay. So acknowledging is a big part of leadership anyway, right? Acknowledging your people, letting them know you, you see them, you meet them where you are, you understand this is a big part of emotional intelligence is the ability to acknowledge, not only recognize, but acknowledge what others are going through. So this acknowledgement applies to yourself, acknowledging your own stress and weariness and exhaustion, but also acknowledging others in that space. The R in care stands for recognize. And before you think, well, that's just like acknowledge, isn't that the same thing? Recognize in, in, the, in this case, what we mean is outwardly recognize others' contribution of value in times of stress and exhaustion. This is a really critical time to tell someone during a staff meeting, look, I know we're all overworked, underpaid, overwhelmed, uh, but John, I just want to publicly thank you for going above and beyond and getting this project done against all odds, uh, against against all the friction and conflict and, and pressure that you faced. What an amazing job. Or to tell the team, man, we really did something. And to have done it in this environment that we're in right now is extraordinary. And I don't, I don't want to let that go unsaid. I want to let you know how big that is and how grateful I am that you're here and that you're making these kinds of contributions. So recognizing people, yes, one-on-one -on -one is fine. I'm a big believer in public recognition. Public meaning someone else is around to hear it. So at a board meeting or in an email that's carbon copied to people that are important to the person that you're recognizing something that says, I recognize you and I'm calling it out in front of others. Now I'll get to the E in care, but I'm going to go ahead and slip in the V for carve. This is the one that I've added since working with my coachee a couple of years ago. And the V stands for vision. And all I mean by vision, I think you've heard me talk about this before. Vision is not just the big ethereal vision casting that a leader does to articulate the future of the world and the organization. Vision casting happens in tiny little moments all day, every day. Vision casting is simply helping others see the step in front of them. When you're exhausted and when you're particularly when you're really stressed, you can start to lose sight of what the next step is. Your frustration starts to lead to fear. Fear starts to lead to panic. Panic leads to chaos. Chaos leads to just scrambling to survive. And we don't want that in our organizations. We still want to operate with purpose. We want to be intentional about what we're doing and why. We want to remain on schedule. And to do that, great leaders are able to help people see what's next. And let me say really kind of one more major thing about that that makes it for me such a big deal. 
I, people are more afraid of the unknown than they are of the negative known. So if I know something's coming, that's not good, that certainly can bring negative emotions, but more people are, would prefer to know than to just not know what the future holds and to be terrified of it because we cannot see that next step in front of us. This is why in times of crisis, it's really important for leaders to say, look, here's the situation, here's the reality, here are some of the steps we're gonna take. They're not all gonna be fun, right? From budget cuts to policy changes to whatever the case might be, when a leader can help the team see what's in front of them, before it happens, that's vision casting. And it's really, really critical because it brings down people's stress level when they know what they're facing and particularly when they know that their leader knows and that their leader is on it <laughs> and that their leader believes that as a team, we're on it. This is why I like um, when, when, uh, when the pandemic first really got big and messed up and we realized, uh Oh, we're in this for a long haul. And this is really shaking up our organizations and really messing up the world and the economy and business. I was coaching my clients at the time to, to arrive at three budgets. And I just call them the a B and C budget and budget a is worst case scenario. Here is the budget for if the whole bottom really drops out of this thing and we have to take the extreme measures to survive. This is what that budget looks like. It's ugly. It's going to be difficult and hard. We're going to hate it, but we can get through it. This is the worst case. We can and will get through it if we have to go here. That's budget A. Budget B is the direct opposite. Here's the best case scenario. Here's what might happen. Here's what we might actually gain from this during this pandemic, more grant monies are being made available and donors are, are actually still giving right now. And in some cases they're giving more than they had before, or, you know, we've got an opportunity here with a new piece of virtual technology or a program or a platform or an innovation that we didn't have before COVID. And we can do this. And here's what the best case scenario budget looks like. It might actually be better than what we had before the pandemic. And then budget C is here's what we here's our best projection of the most likely budget. Here's what we believe is most likely going to take place and here's why and here's what this will look like and here's the good, the bad and the ugly of it. And by providing those three scenarios it gives your board and your staff and your stakeholders and yourself the ability to say, okay, I see three potential paths here and I'm prepared for any of the three. I'm going to direct myself toward budget budgets B and C because those are the more likely and the positive ones, the more aspirational ones, but I'm going to be prepared for budget A in case the worst case happens. And I had leaders that were just loving that and bringing it to their teams and their boards and their boards felt so confident that we can handle this. And most of the organizations that did this did not end up with budget A. I did the same thing, by the way, for the Jinx Perspective business. I did an A, B, and C budget. And in my case, um, for, the, for a first little while, it looked a little more like budget C, the more likely, you know, a little bit of a downswing. And there was for a little while. And it turned into actually a budget B, a best case scenario. 
just because of the kinds of value that we were able to bring to our clients at the time. So that's vision casting. That is the V in carve during times of weariness and stress. Anything that helps people see the path ahead, even if it's not ideal is better than just leaving people wondering and guessing and fearing. And then that leads us to the E and that's engage, engage your people. Don't ignore them. Don't, don't um, hide yourself away in your office or in your home while you deal with this stress and this exhaustion and your people don't have access to you. Engage them. Don't let your people hide away with their tails tucked between their legs and their heads bowed and their hearts broken. Engage them. Engage them in something meaningful. Uh, delegate opportunity to them recognize them for that engagement, but keep people engaged. This particular coachee that helped me co-create this, by the way, one of the phrases that he, that he said that their CEO had shared with the group is, hey, look, in tough times, we just got to keep our heads down and keep moving. And that there's something about that visual that bothered me at the time. And I challenged him and I said, what if, what if you kept your heads up during this time? Maybe that's a different visual, sending a slightly different message that we're staying engaged with one another. We still have that eye contact. We're still paying attention to others' feelings and challenges and aspirations and successes and victories. What if we kept our heads up instead of keeping them down and sort of trying to bury ourselves in our work? Let's stay aware and present. So stay calm, acknowledge the stress, acknowledge the exhaustion, acknowledge people's positions, recognize people for their good work, cast vision as often as you can, even in the small moments and small ways and small arenas, and continue to engage your team. Those are five things I would say. If you're feeling that sense of, oh my Lord, we are so spent. This has gone on so long. We are so tired. There's so much going on. We're so stressed, so tired, so exhausted. Those are five things that as a leader, you can keep in mind. Let me shift to the second thing that I wanted to talk about today. And that is, it's a little bit related. So what I just shared with you is what a leader's responsibility really is. Uh, unfortunately, there are times you just have to step up and, and, that exhaustion and that stress, you just, you, you kind of have to just overcome it to the point that you can now help your team overcome it. And so what this means is you are accountable. You are responsible as a leader for leading and in times of exhaustion and stress. And even in normal times, human nature is to point the finger to other people. If only Susie would be more X. If only Kevin could do this, or if it weren't for that darn board chair, or if it, if that donor wouldn't have done this or whatever it might be, we tend to point fingers at other people in blame. Sometimes it's just justification for our own behavior. Sometimes it's just displacement of energy because we don't want to take it on. But one of my favorite authors, speakers, thought leaders, and coaches is Marshall Goldsmith, world-class, world-renowned executive coach. And 
his question in so many words in so many different arenas is what is my role? What is my role? And I'll give an example. When we do employee surveys, we ask our employees things like, um, you know, agree or disagree with this statement. My supervisor creates a positive work environment. My coworkers step up and help others when needed. My managers communicate effectively. My supervisor recognizes me for good work. My supervisor helps me set meaningful goals and supports me in achieving them. And these surveys are always based on how satisfied we are with what someone else is doing for us. And Marshall Goldsmith has really flipped that on its head and really encouraged us to change the questions. So maybe the statement that we're rating on a, a scale of agree to disagree is I did my best to create a positive environment or I'm doing my best to foster a strong, meaningful relationship with my supervisor. I'm doing my best to set meaningful goals for myself and holding myself accountable for achieving those goals. What am I doing? What's my role? Why is it always somebody else's job to make sure that my job is fulfilling? And that, you know, that's a, that's a big thing in leadership is what is your role as a leader? I coach leaders a lot who, who want to sort of um, vent a little bit, this staff person, this board member, this community leader, and we'll, you know, that's good space in a coaching session because you want to kind of get it out. You want to kind of get it at the source, what's on your mind and what are the challenges, but I always have to bring it back to, okay, got it, acknowledge it. I see it. Now, what's your role in improving this? Because community leader is not on this call right now. Board chair is not on this call right now. Um, difficult staff member is not on this call right now. And as my, as Dr. Jim Smith at LSI teaches us coaches, you can't coach who's not in the room. So it always comes back to, okay, so we can't control other people's behaviors what can we do to maybe influence their behaviors? It's just a top leadership tenet is the, the understanding that we don't control people. We're trying to influence people, trying to influence their behavior, their development, their growth. And so what's our role in doing that? Well, I've got a difficult relationship with such and such. Okay, well, what's your role? What can you do different, better, new? Um, or what can you stop doing? How can you alter your behavior in a way that has some likelihood, some chance of improving the situation? So what is my role? I just want to, that's it. That's the principle. I'm done with it. I just want to share it with you. Always come back to, well, wait a minute, what's my role in this? This is the only one that I can fully control. What is my role? Uh, number three out of four things I wanted to share with you today. Number three is just a quick, uh, framework for delegation. It probably doesn't surprise you that many of the executives I coach struggle with delegation. I want to do it better. Even if they're not struggling at it, they know it's a key tenant and they want to be good and effective at it. And so we have conversations about delegation all the time. 
And there are a couple of things I say about delegation repeatedly, and I just want to repeat them here and sort of put them out there as a reminder. And the first is um, the idea that we should think about delegation as more of a development opportunity than a task dump. So I'm not dumping something from my plate to yours, giving you more work so that I have less. If I frame it like that, then I'm just overworking and, and misusing my people. And they're just, they're going to go home and tell their, their friends and family, um, I'm not getting paid anymore, but I just keep getting asked to do more and more and more and more and more without getting any promotion or pay increase or recognition. That's how people feel when they're delegated tasks. So one way to look at it is think of delegation as what opportunities can I delegate to my team, to my individual team members? How can I delegate significance, delegate opportunity, not task, make it an invitation to lead in an area, to take charge of a project to step up for the team and uh, help create something and utilize their unique talent to do so. Make it an invitation for an opportunity to succeed and grow, not a directive to take on a task that they don't have room for. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would share with you is what I call the delegation triangle. And a, a lot of leaders try to struggle with, or a lot of leaders struggle with, well, what things should I and should I not delegate? And so here's one test for that. The, the delegation triangle asks three questions. Does delegating the task benefit the person to whom I'm delegating? Does it benefit them? Do they grow from it? Do they learn from it? Do they succeed and get recognized for it? Is there something in it for them? There's a benefit for them to be the person to whom you delegate. That's triangle point number one. Triangle point number two is, does it benefit you to delegate it? Does it help you in any way? Does it lighten your burden? Does it help you, for example, free up bandwidth to do CEO kinds of things that you haven't had time for? So does it benefit you? Does it create value for you? And the third one, and maybe the most important one, is this good for the organization? in either or both the short term and the long term is this a good thing is this a good decision for the organization to delegate this and we make the mistake a lot of saying no it's not because the person i'm delegating to doesn't really know how to do it they've never done it before there's a high chance of failure i can do it better and therefore it's not good for the organization and and i want to challenge you to think differently I want you to ask that in the long term, if delegating this opportunity to this particular person who might have to develop some skill and some training and some refinement around it, but if in the long term that benefits the organization, then I should delegate it. Think about benefit a little bit differently in that case. And I guess there is a third thing I want to say about delegation, and that is we tend to delegate the things we either don't want to do or we're not good at. And so we let's delegate them to somebody that knows how to do this. I would like to challenge, and I frequently challenge leaders, to delegate things you do enjoy doing and that you are good at. Because how can anybody else get good at them if not given that opportunity? You're good at the things you do because somebody somewhere, somewhere along the line, gave you the opportunity 
to do things you didn't already know how to do. That's how you develop the talent and skill that you have. So now in a leadership role, how are you creating that space for others? And sometimes that means, you know, I would like to go and make this rotary presentation that our organization's been invited to because I love making presentations. I'm really good at it. People love me and it's awesome and it's great. And, you know, I'm the CEO. I should probably do it. But where's that senior leader that is um, the, the extension of you? Where is that opportunity to transcend the brand or, or rather to let the brand transcend you as an individual? Uh, that opportunity to develop someone else's abilities and networks and recognition. Just an example, something to think about, delegating the things you like to do. That's the tough thing for leaders. And then I'm going to um, head to the fourth one. And this is just a reminder. And, and I was reminded of another video episode I did several years ago about our bandwidth. And when we run into a negative situation, particularly a negative interaction with an individual or group, it can really mess with our emotional bandwidth. And it can affect us for a long time, not just the moment. Sometimes it affects us for an entire day, ruins our mood. Sometimes it, it lingers with us for days, weeks, months. Some people carry things for years based on one negative or toxic interaction that they had with other humans. And I just want to remind everyone that your bandwidth is yours to protect. Your emotional bandwidth is yours to protect. You get to allow who gets to consume you and who doesn't. And I learned this lesson kind of the hard way a few years ago with a, a you know, a, a very unpleasant human interaction with another individual. And it just ate me up uh, for uh, days, if not a couple of weeks or more. It really ate at me. And I realized quickly it was affecting my work, it was affecting my thought process, my energy, and, and, and it was going to affect my health before long. And I finally had to remind myself, hey, dude, you get to control who has you and who gets you. <laughs> who gets to have you? Who gets to have your bandwidth, your investment of energy and heart and care and passion and attention? Who gets to have that? Um, we allow people to consume that bandwidth that haven't earned it and they don't deserve it, quite frankly. And um, I've just seen some examples recently where I've just reminded of that. You know, you've, you've got to surround yourself with the kind of energy that feeds your bandwidth, not just consumes your bandwidth. And so surround yourself with people. Make sure your circle of friends and, and leaders and mentors and, and network and influencers of all kinds. Make sure there are, they, these are people that add value and don't take value without giving. Um, I had someone recently say, yeah, you know, I, you just got to kind of take the bad with the good though, in this particular case. Um, you know, a very toxic relationship that a, that a couple of people were having. And they were like, yeah, you know, I, I, I probably need to walk away from this relationship, but there's a lot of good to the relationship too. And I asked the question, I said, if you had a bowl of ice cream 
and and it was mixed about half and half with um with with dog feces <laughs> would you eat the bowl of ice cream what if most of it was ice cream but there was you know part it came with you had to, you had to have one spoonful of the of the dog feces i know nasty right it's terrible to bring up on a podcast is the best way i can sort of illustrate no don't take on toxicity <laughs> Um, that's what we do. We talk ourselves into, we justify continuing to let a relationship or a, an emotional interaction consume us in, in the, in the toxic ways that eats at us and, and, and destructs because we think there might be some redeeming value. There might be some ice cream in there. And so, I don't know, maybe that's not a good analogy. I make an argument the other way. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing. But um, be careful with who you are allowing to consume your bandwidth. Be careful with who you are surrounding yourself with and what kind of energy um, and value they are bringing to your life, your energy. And that's it. Those are just some things I wanted to share with you. Um, I do want to tease a couple of things. We've got some great podcast episodes coming up. I know we've been actually out of here for a few weeks, but we're getting back on track. Normally we run these episodes about every other week and we've got Gary Manglick coming up. Who's the, um, CEO of a software company called instrumental. And we're not just going to, you know, hawk her software. We're, we're really going to look at what she does and why she's doing it. But I can tease it out by saying, she helps people, she helps nonprofit organizations effectively find and get matched with aligned grant funding. And so it's more than just a database of foundations. It is a system. And so we'll talk more about that. That episode's coming up in a few weeks. Carrie Hepburn is going to join us in a few weeks to talk about the Blue Ridge Institute, which is a national network of nonprofit leaders that most of the listeners to this program would probably qualify for. And we want to tell you all about it. And um, she's the current president of BRI and a consultant as well in her own right. And then we have Nikkei Anane returning. Nikkei um, is from, uh, if I'm remembering right, she's from Nigeria, spent time in London. I, I want to say she lives in maybe Austin, Texas now. My, my memory might be fading. But just a fascinating and talented individual with a really unique value add to the world. She helps family businesses with succession planning and growth planning. And so many, uh, if you, if you, um, let me, I'll, I'll look right now while I'm trying to remember, I'll look for her, her episode number. So you can go back and listen, uh, episode number 59 succession planning with Nikkei Anani, uh, episode 59 of the leadership window podcast, because she relates so much of it back to the nonprofit sector, founders syndrome and succession planning for leaders, how to think about the future, how to make the strategy and the long-term vision of the organization transcend individual roles. And when she came on the show back in January, she was just finishing up her book and it's out and it's, uh, we'll be able to promote that and talk about it and talk about some of the, it, the book is called lifetime to legacy. It's a new vision for multi-generational family businesses on the episode. When she returns, we're again going to shift the focus to 
how do those principles relate to the nonprofit sector, whether or not it's a family foundation, but maybe it's just an organization who's had a 30 year CEO and succeeding that person is going to be a very difficult challenge for somebody. So she's coming back on the show. And then I want to tease out something that's super exciting before I walk off uh, the air here. And that is that on our YouTube channel, um, we are two episodes away from our 100th episode and on our 100th episode, I'm going to be offering a giveaway and I don't want to say too much more about it other than it's related to professional photography and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. I will share much more of that in a future episode on this podcast as well. But if you are not already a subscriber to our YouTube channel, it's completely free. It's kind of like our podcast, except that it's more like five-minute episodes instead of 35 minutes or 55 minutes. And it's all kinds of coaching content for nonprofit leadership. Uh, everything from board engagement to some cool software tools to uh, leading a difficult employee to all, protecting your bandwidth. So uh, tune into our YouTube channel. Just go to our website, jinxperspective.com, J-I-N-K-S perspective.com. And on the main menu at the top, there's links to both the podcast and the YouTube channel. Check out the YouTube channel. When you get to any one of the episodes, click on subscribe once you're in the YouTube interface. And that way you'll be notified whenever we drop new episodes on the YouTube channel. Those things are, are really good. People love those. I get a lot of positive feedback on the value that those YouTube episodes bring. So stay tuned to that. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun coming up with the professional photography piece of the, of the work with some amazing podcast guests we've got coming up. So stay tuned. We're going to get back in the groove and back on schedule. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being patient with us and lead on. 